Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, a joint effort from the Massachusetts Law Office Management Assistance Program, Suffolk University Law School's Advanced Legal Studies, the Chicago Bar Association's Law Practice Management and Technology, and the Massachusetts Bar Association. Each month, episodes are presented by nationally known experts on a range of legal marketing topics, including promoting, growing, and marketing your law firm and or practice. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome back to my summer camp, everybody. This is kind of like Camp David, only it's far, 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 far less important. Uh, this podcast, I think, is the policy making what chocolate sauce is to sardines. So during the heinous winter months of fall, winter, and spring, this podcast features audio from live webinars broadcast under Massachusetts Low Maps Lunch Hour Legal Marketing brand. There's only one problem with that arrangement, and that is that we don't host webinars over the summer, such that we've been left with a content breach. Now, since nature abhors a vacuum, we've decided to offer four Lunch Hour Legal Marketing podcasts this summer, which podcasts will appear in the form of interviews with the featured speakers from the 2015 Super Marketing Conference in Boston, Massachusetts. It's a great list of speakers turned interviewees. We're calling this the Summer of Lunch. That's hashtag Summer of Lunch. A limited edition podcast series within an existing podcast. Now, that's all very meta. Hopefully, the X-Files reboot will be equally satisfying as a limited edition series. Now, if you don't recognize my voice, I'm Jared Correa, the Assistant Director and Senior Law Practice Advisor at Massachusetts LOMAP. I'm also the co-host of the Legal Toolkit podcast. Our second summer of lunch interview is with Ed Walters, CEO of FastCase. FastCase's legal research engine was over 800,000 subscribers. Now, that's roughly 799,997 more people than subscribed to this podcast. So well done, Ed. Ed was once a practicing lawyer and advisor to the NFL, the NHL, and I think the Federal League. He even worked in the White House and maybe stole some of those W keys off of the computers in 2001. Ed is an adjunct professor at Georgetown University Law Center and teaches the law of robots. Yes, that's a real class. Thanks, Ed, for agreeing to appear on the show, uh, I mean, in advance of the robots taking over. How are you doing, Ed? Ed is unavailable. <laughs> <laughs> I knew one of us was going to do a robot voice. I'm glad it wasn't me. <laughs> you, it's a good thing it's a podcast. You can't actually see me doing the robot in my office. <laughs> see, that's too bad. I think that would only add to the flavor that we have going here. <laughs> but, all right, you ready to jump into the Q&A session? Let's do it. All right, so this is how we do things here. We're going to do an interview, and then we'll come back on the bottom, and Ed's going to tell you a little bit about Fast Case. You grade right. me at the end of this, right? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully you do well. I'm taking notes as we speak. Okay. <laughs> so, Ed, if you had to describe legal marketing in one word, what do you think that word would be? Would it be terrible, awful, atrocious? Um, and is that a reason for lawyers to become discouraged, or there, is there another spin that they could sort of take on this? Well, I have a one-word answer, a two-word answer, and a three-word answer. Um, my my one-word answer is sad. Um, it's not it's not you know bad or terrible or anything like that. It's just gotcha. uh, it's not as good as it could be. Uh, my mm -hmm. two-word answer is well-intentioned, uh, mm -hmm. with everything that connotes. And my three-word answer yeah. is bless their hearts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, All right, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, it, so this is a way of saying that. You know, I, I have tremendous 
sympathy for the difficulty of good legal marketing. Mm. Law firm marketing is hard to do well. Yeah. Uh, unlike many things, not like selling toothpaste, you actually have a lot of ethical restrictions on what you can and cannot do when marketing your practice. Yeah. With that said, I think we could, you know, we as a profession could do a lot better than we do at legal marketing. Um, and so I think that there, there is no reason to be discouraged about it, although I think many lawyers are. Uh, I think that the good news is there's nowhere to go but up. There's lots of room for improvement and lots of ways people can be better at it. Yeah. Well, that's good. So don't be discouraged. Just do it better or try to do it better. <clears throat> so let's turn this around and talk about clients of lawyers. So you've, you've said that lawyers should view their clients and their potential clients, in fact, as just smart people who don't quite understand the terrain that they're crossing as far as, as, far as a legal case or, or uh, issue is concerned. So why is it so important for lawyers to view their clients in that fashion? Well, let me take one step back. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, when, when I, I do marketing a lot at FastCase. Yeah. And uh, it's something that we try and do well. Uh, we certainly make our share of mistakes as well. Um, mm -hmm. But so when, when we try to do marketing, we really, I think it, the, the fundamental enterprise uh, is empathy. It's something that we try and do a lot. We try to understand very well the people who want to buy FastCase uh, for legal research what mm -hmm. motivates them, what's interesting to them, what's important to them, and then really speak to those concerns. Empathy is kind of the center of good legal marketing. Mm -hmm. I've often said, uh, you know, good marketing tells you about the product. Great marketing tells you about the person who buys it. And mm -hmm. so I, I think, you know, one thing that legal marketing doesn't do very well is to understand the client, the consumer of legal services better. Um, and so, you know, I, I think a lot of times law firm marketing tries to say, this is really hard, don't worry, you know, uh, we're smart, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think that really quite captures it. So sometimes I, uh, when, when talking to friends who are lawyers, I'll say, you know, imagine yourself on a business trip to China. You show up at the airport and you need to get to a city two hours outside of uh, Beijing maybe, and all the signs around you are uh, in Chinese and you don't speak Chinese, so you need a guide, right? You're not, mm -hmm. a, uh, you know, you're not a stupid person. You're actually a very smart person, um, but you can't understand the terrain around you. The language is foreign to you, so you need a guide. Um, you need someone who will help you. You don't want um, you know, pictures of the interpreters. You don't want a listing of where they went to school <laughs> or what they've written. <laughs> what you really care about when you're when you're getting that service is, you know, am I going to get there safely? Uh, will we take the shortest path? Um, how much is this going to cost me? And, you know, what's what's my exposure? How can I make sure that I'm getting the most comfortable ride um, and the best translations? And, you know, that's those are the kinds of things that we should be thinking about in legal practice as well. You know, what what does our client ultimately want? And how do we convey that the most intelligently? Yeah, that's a great example. I talk to attorneys a lot about like trying to understand their clients and what their clients need. And I, I, the objection, the objection that I get sometimes is that that works for sort of a low end practice, but not a high end practice with intelligent clients. But I think your explanation of it does work in that sense. So that's really good. Um, 
And maybe a little bit of humility on the part of the lawyers too, right? Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> that their clients are smart too. Kind of like the Phil Hartman strategy. I'm just a simple caveman. <laughs> right. <laughs> I am but a simple caveman lawyer. <laughs> All right. So let's talk a little bit about how attorneys can define their practice areas and use that to market themselves. So I think you and I probably both think that lawyers suffer from this sort of jack-of-all-trades problem. They want to try to do everything and they don't necessarily end up doing anything particularly well. So why do you think it's better for law firms to establish niche practices instead? Well, I think it's more credible. And then I think when you're trying to uh, brand your firm, it is easier to brand a niche practice than it is a general purpose practice. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in my my capacity now kind of running a business, we have probably four law firms who do work for us. And I can tell you as now a client sitting on the other side of the table, it is completely maddening trying to find a lawyer to handle certain kinds of work. If I have trademark work and you know I go to try to find a trademark lawyer, every firm in town has a trademark practice, right? And so <laughs> yeah. they all say we are good at everything. And if you contact mm-hmm. most law firms, they will say, you know, we are experts at every single thing your company does. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, – <laughs> You know, going to a uh, waffle house and muffler shop. <laughs> you know, one of those two things I've, I've is not to going one. to be done very well, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, Hopefully it's the mufflers. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And so I, I think it's more credible when you say, look, you know, our firm is the, you know, the best trademark practice in the world. We have a very deep bench in trademark. We, we can also handle a couple of other routine corporate things for your for uh, your business, but what we really do is trademark. Or what we really do is intellectual property litigation. That's what we specialize at. And as a as a consumer of these services, when I go looking for the firm in Boston that has, you know, the best corporate litigation practice, um, you know, I, chances are pretty good I am going to look for someone that specializes in it and that credibly specializes in it. Yep. So I, I also think that that specialization is important for your brand, mm-hmm. right? People won't be able to find you if you have among your 28 specialties corporate litigation. So mm-hmm. I think if you are going to really set yourselves out as you know, the employment firm of Boston, then you need to be able to say that. And when someone visits your website or looks at your promotional materials, they see we do labor. Yep. And so that, that makes it much more credible and much more understandable. And I, I just don't believe it when firms say we're good at everything because they're yeah. oh, certainly not. Or if they're good at it, they're not great at everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good point too. And, and for specialization as well, I mean, if you're going to specialize, you can't really have 28 specialties. <laughs> you want to have a limited number. So that's, I mean, I think some people try to shoehorn the niche practice into a uh, general practice and they say, yeah, we're good at X, but we're tremendously good at X, Y, Z, and maybe we're good at 28 things, but not one or two. So I think that's a good point as well. You want to have a limited specialty practice. Um, so let's jump, let's jump around again here. So you gave a talk for our marketing conference, which I thought was excellent, one of the best talks of the day. People were really into it. And what you talked about was being authentic in the digital, in the digital age. So from my, from, from, from my position, I thought it was a lot easier when I could just spill wine on people in person. <laughs> um, so I think it's hard for people to figure out, like, how do I be a real person on the Internet? So to, to you, what does it mean to be authentic in the digital age? Well, so part of this 
uh, is a transition from what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Part of authenticity means knowing what you're good at, right? So when we when we market FastCase, all of our stuff is around like smarter legal research, yeah. and it, it plays to what we're trying to do with things like citation analysis and data visualization, trying to bring science to legal research. Mm-hmm. And you know, if if I said we are the broadest library in the world, that's not credible. It's not true. You know, there are there are treatise libraries in uh, traditional services that are broader than ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, if you if you ever met my co-founder Phil Rosenthal and me, uh, you know, if I said we're the most charismatic legal research service or uh, the best looking, none of those things would really resonate with people. When I say smart. You know, we're kind of geeky, and that 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 kind of plays to who we are. Uh, if you say we're geeky, people say, "Yeah, I get that." <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> Um, and so I think that's what I mean by authenticity. It, uh, it will really resonate with people when you say, you know, we have a firm of, you know, 10 lawyers and eight of them are labor lawyers, right? So we are a mm-hmm. labor law firm. That is our expertise. That's our specialty. We have experience in that field. Uh, if you say, you know, and we do intellectual property litigation, it dilutes your message. It's not really who you are. It won't mm-hmm. resonate people. So I think that that authenticity piece is really important. I also think that, you know, one one big problem in law firm marketing is answering the question, what can you do that nobody else in the world can do? Mm-hmm. In consumer yeah. marketing, that's very important, right? You need to distinguish your brand. You need to have a different point of view. And uh, in, in law firms, it's, it's almost impossible. Yeah. I've asked a lot of lawyers yeah. this question, and I really don't ever get a, an answer that is you know, believable or real. You always get you know, some mix of cliches or something else. Yeah, um, we'll talk about those too. <laughs> yeah. But so you know, I, I think authenticity means knowing who you are, differentiating your practice, and uh, being direct and honest and credible with people who are trying to buy your services. And you know, one of the things I said during the conference was – uh, you should think about your potential clients as very smart. You should also think about them as somebody who really wants to buy your service. Mm. There are people out there who really want to um, you know, engage your law firm to do their work. And so your mission is really to reach them. They're rooting for you. you know, yeah. they, they want to know that you're good at that and they want to hire you. And so your job is to Know, very credibly reach out to them and make sure that they understand you're good at it. Yeah. yeah. No, I think this is all a good idea for a marketing approach for lawyers. I think you're right. Lawyers find it hard to differentiate themselves because of the saturation in the market. They're thinking, okay, I'm an IP lawyer, but there are like 100,000 other IP lawyers in my community, in my general community, especially if they're in the big city. So differentiation right. is important. So I think you're coming on and talking about different ways for lawyers to look at this subject is a good thing. Um, you want to get weird? Can we, can we do a weird question here? What Let's do you think? Do All right. Because I've, I've wondered about this because you have a first name and a last name that could both be first names. So have you, have you ever thought about how your life would be different if your name was Walter Edwards? <laughs> I imagine it would be very different. Um, <laughs> everything would be reversed. <laughs> uh, you know, when we, when we first got started at FastCase, we uh, we had like a plain old telephone. We, we use Voice of RIP now, but when we had yeah. a plain old telephone. They listed our phone number in the phone book, and uh, 
Fast Case, uh, we were just getting started. We were three guys in a cocktail napkin back in 2000. <laughs> um, but Fast Case was listed in the phone book uh, right next to Fast Cash. Oh. And I'm telling you, probably eight out of uh, nine <laughs> phone calls we got were for fast cash instead of fast case. Uh, so talk about your, your life being different based on your name. Yeah, like, oh, that's funny. Wow. So you should have called yourself fast cash is what you're saying? <laughs> uh, I think, uh, I think uh, completely opposite is probably the best answer I could have heard to that question. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ed, let's talk about law firm bios. Traditionally, they've been pretty dang dry. Um, they're like the most boring version of your resume only posted online. Um, that's not necessarily something that's going to draw clients in as we've talked about. So what's a better strategy for modern law firm or lawyer bios? Well, again, I, I go back to empathy. You know, if you are going – put yourself in that train station in Beijing. What do you want to know about your guide for that trip? And then think about your client uh, as someone similar, a smart pers- person who is in a position or a place that they don't fully understand. What do they want to know, right? They're going to spend a lot of time with you. So, you know, in addition to knowing that you have an expertise that probably many people have, you know, is, is it going to be uh, uh, interesting or enriching to spend time with you? Mm. Are you, um, you know... Uh, what, what makes your firm a good fit for that potential client that you're thinking about? Sometimes it's things that you don't even think about, right? It's like, um, is it easy to park their car at your law firm? Or close <laughs> yeah. to, to the subway? Like, you know, there's, there's all kinds of uh, parts of that experience that I think are really difficult for clients that lawyers don't often think of. So yeah. I would say that the, the, the kinds of things you would think about are, you know, uh, what's important to your client and then how do you convey that in your bio? I'm not saying you have to have like some, you know, oddball bio of yourself. Um, but I am saying that your potential client probably doesn't care about what your, you know, law student note was on when you were in law school or, mm-hmm. you know, whether you were, um, the president of the student council in college, um, you know, those kind of bio points, I think, are really kind of ego points for lawyers. It's a way of telling other lawyers how smart you are. Um, and although I think there might be a value to that, I think the bigger value is to tell clients why working with you is going to be uh, putting them in a better position or easy for them or you know, convenient for them or maybe even fun. Even fun. I like that. That's good. Um, yeah, you don't see that too often in lawyer bios. And we forgot to talk about candy, right? I mean, are you going to spring for like Jolly Ranchers or are you just going to go with Werther's Originals? That's an important <laughs> consideration. Maybe if you have an elder law practice, you go with Werther's Originals. Um, so being yourself is important, right? But what if you're like a total asshat? <laughs> right. I saw a teacher the other day that said, be yourself unless you can be Batman. In that case, always be Batman. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's really important to be yourself and to know yourself uh, as a person, as a lawyer, as a law firm. And make sure that you're conveying things that are honest. The, the biggest way to uh, make a client angry is to sell yourself as something that you aren't. And... Uh, you know, again, it's it's not going to differentiate you from anybody. It's just going to make everything you say resonate wrong. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but if you're a total jerk, I would say 
the the issue is not whether you should be yourself. The issue is that you should stop being a jerk. <laughs> well said. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about what you learned in law school. So how should lawyers adjust what approaches they've learned from law school? And this is, I think, an especially important consideration for new lawyers. Why is it so hard for lawyers to adjust to that entrepreneurial mindset when they get into practice? Yeah, we spend so much time in law school helping people who are very smart coming in to think like a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Uh, But my concern about this is that we sometimes teach law students how to think only like a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And people leave aside very important parts of their personality from before law school on the other side of it. When I was in law school, uh, my legal research and writing professor um, actually gave me a B in legal research and writing. Um, And she famously wrote on my final brief, uh, legal writing should not be eloquent. (laughs) Uh, uh, And then, you know, my, I remember my first year property professor said, the value of original thought in law is highly overrated. (laughs) Um, Sounds like a fun law school experience for you. (laughs) uh, Yeah, well, it was, it was great. But, you know, the, I think that the, the point is that there there is truth to each one of those messages mm-hmm. in the constraints of being a lawyer, yeah. uh, but we should be able to think like a lawyer without thinking only like a lawyer. We should also be able to bring to bear all of the things that we did before law school. If you were, uh, you know, a uh, starting pitcher, or if you were a journalist in your previous life or if you did marketing or you know you were very good at designing websites you should be able to bring all of those parts of your life to bear in your practice of law and in your marketing efforts Mm. so i think you know one of the things that we learn in law school is to be extremely 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 careful never ever to get ourselves in trouble um you know in any way by pushing the edge of the envelope or doing something that might involve any amount of risk. And, you know, I think that that becomes one of the problems for entrepreneurial lawyers. We're so afraid of doing something wrong um, or losing our license for it that uh, it becomes very difficult. I would say that the fault is not all lawyers either. I think um, bar association regulatory bodies need to recognize that it's difficult to market your practice and make sure that the discipline system for, you know, uh, efforts that go a little too far should reflect that. So I think we should make sure that we don't have people living, living in fear of losing their license for speaking out of turn on their you know Facebook profile or on their bar website. Yeah, those are all great points. I actually have nothing to add. I think that's very well said. Um, so we have one more legal question, and then we're going to go into the pop culture section of the podcast. Good great. for you? All right. Good. <laughs> all right, let's talk about cliches. Every law firm uses them like they're being paid to use them. Everybody's collegial, right? All of us are professional. We deliver results. Some of us eat paste. We're not sure about those people. (laughs) Uh, How can lawyers convey what it is that they do in a way that is not cliched? So I think you're right. Part of it is like learning not to think like a lawyer when you're advertising necessarily. But the other part of it is how do you talk differently and speak differently about the the practice without using what lawyers have been saying for hundreds of years? Right. I would say, uh, you know, one thing that that I've done is I will take, um, I'll I'll put together an uh, image wall of cliches. 
I will take all of the things that I've seen from bad lawyer marketing. Uh, imagine like, you know, the handshake, the picture of the skyline, the scales of justice, uh, the gavel. And I'll just put up an image wall of all those images. And then I will say, none of these may appear in our marketing, right? Uh, take the words, you know, collegial, best in class, bet the company, you know, when it matters most. Uh, take all of those cliches uh, and put them on that same wall. And then, you know, just keep in mind when you are communicating that you don't have to communicate using any of these shorthand images. Um, you know, so again, like your clients don't want to see the gavel. They know you're a lawyer. They're already at your website. You know, you don't need to have the cliched picture of the globe or the ones and zeros <laughs> to show what the tech are. Um, there are a million ways to communicate. Imagine having a conversation with somebody uh, who spoke only in idioms. Mm. That would be really irritating. Mm. And yeah. so uh, you would want to say to them, cut it out. Just talk to me. And I think that's what we should uh, try to strive for in our marketing. Don't do it in cliches. Don't do it in stock images. Um, just try to use real words and understand your potential market. And, unless you think that I'm you know, talking down to people about this. I called up the other day uh, one of the early versions of the Fastcase website, which actually has a montage of all these <laughs> shifts. It has like the gavel picture blending into the columns of the Supreme Court, blending into the scales of justice, blending into like a lawyer talking on the telephone. Um, it is it is literally like a cliche montage. It's fantastic. So, so what you're saying, it would be easy for you to develop a wall of cliches that you could then sell to lawyers. You've got all the materials ready. <laughs> They're all my fingertips. I think what I'm saying is that good judgment comes from experience, and experience comes from bad judgment. Yes, that, well, that's good too. Boy, I like that too. Man, you're throwing out throwing the hammer down today, Ed. Um, I like the I like the wall of cliches though. It kind of reminds me of the uh, of the uh, wreath Witherspoon from Mindy Kaling, where it was a Christmas Christmas wreath with only pictures of Reese Witherspoon. That's good stuff. Um, <laughs> all right, that's something of a segue to our pop culture segment. I got two questions for you, Ed, that have nothing to do with legal. So uh, if folks don't know, James Taylor, my favorite artist of all time, who lives only three hours from me, just came out with his latest album, Before This World, which is his first album in, I think, 12 years. It, it was number one on the Billboard, Billboard Hot 100, Go James. So, Ed, um, how many stars would you give the new James Taylor album out of 10? I have to withhold judgment. I mean, I, I know that the right answer is like a thousand stars, but uh, I haven't heard it. <laughs> That's the correct answer. A thousand stars out of 10. Thank you. Ed. Candidly, I, you know, I've been, I've been uh, listening to a lot of cigarettes recently. Um, huh? I'm not like a big James Taylor fan. Oh no. I'd Sorry. See, I'm, gl I'm glad I, I'm glad you told me that after I had you on. Um, I'm going to make you a James Taylor mixtape and send it to the fast cash offices. Okay. Awesome. I will say he has one of the most, uh, distinguishable, unique voices in the entire world. When you hear James Taylor sing, it can't be anybody else. You know exactly who it is. I mean, talk yeah. about authenticity and being yourself. This is someone whose very voice, his hallmark, um, his calling card automatically distinguish, distinguishes him. Yeah. And, uh, that's what you want to be in your legal marketing. You want to be nice, James Taylor. Nice. You want to have a, a voice that is uniquely yours. Now you're talking, Ed, you really turned that around. I'm impressed. 
All right. So now, what's the best animated feature film you've watched in the last 10 years? I think everybody's looking for summer movie selections, and nobody just wants to be standing in front of Redbox for like four hours. So again, I, the, the genre is not my like kind of uh, you know, center of the world genre. Um, but for, for animated, I'll say... Let, let, let your kid pick a movie for once. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's my, my, my kid were picking, it would be uh, either Big Hero or uh, Frozen. My son is seven, and he, uh, he really dug uh, Frozen as a movie. Oh, yeah, uh, I hear a lot of Frozen songs. <laughs> say for animated, if it's, if it's me, if I'm not letting my son pick. Yeah. Uh, I saw a few minutes um, a couple of weeks ago of a montage of Heck, which mm-hmm. is the animated biopic of Kurt Cobain. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is some twisted stuff there, man. <laughs> But it was great. I mean, as as a kind of a Gen Xer and uh, you know someone who came up in the early Nirvana years, uh, college DJ, like it was uh, it was riveting. Um, but it's disturbing too. It's like couldn't turn away. But um, you know, very very difficult material. It's not a yeah. it's not yeah. a cartoon yeah. portrayal of uh, the early days of Kurt Cobain. I was looking for kids' movies, but you continue to surprise me, Mr. Walters. Um, <laughs> now, you're almost free to go. Ed. Just hang on tight for a second here. Um, hey, everybody. We've hope, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Summer Series. If you can dig on this, test drive the rest of our shows. You can listen anytime you want at LegalTalkNetwork.com. So Ed Walters of Fast Case was a great sport today. He was in beast mode for much of the podcast. Now, Ed, here's your chance. Can you tell folks how to find out more about you and about Fast Case? Sure. You can find Fast Case on the web. We're at fastcase.com. Uh, we're all the places you'd expect us. We're on Twitter at Fast Case. You can find my snarky tweets at EJ Walters. Um, we're on uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and Google+. I'm told we'll soon be on Instagram. Uh, you can find FastCase sort of in all of those places. You can find the FastCase free legal research app on iTunes, on Google Play. Uh, you heard it here first in a couple of days on the uh, Windows phone store. Uh, the ABA tech survey says that the FastCase legal research app was the most popular app for lawyers uh, by far for each of the last two years. Um, and uh, we hope that people continue to like it and use it. That's great. And, and I have uh, dug into the world of legal research a little bit in my time, and I did a presentation on Fast Case a couple of years back. i got to tell you, Ed and his team do some really innovative things on the legal research end. So if you haven't, you should definitely check out Fast Case. So the summer of lunch is only just beginning. We've only just begun. Keep tuning in for more. That is, if you're not doing something more pressing, like tending to your sentimental hygiene. I mean, not that you couldn't listen to us after you were done. Thanks for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join us for the next episode covering legal marketing topics, including promoting, growing, and marketing your law firm and or practice. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.
If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.